Hello, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching. And today we're going to support you in avoiding negotiating hostage situations in your own home. If you're parenting a highly sensitive child and you are stuck in the meltdown cycle, your kid may be four, six, nine, 14, 16, what have you. And those big explosive or implosive meltdowns have got you figuring, trying to, to uh, navigate just getting through daily tasks without needing to, uh, to negotiate a deal. Make sure that you are sticking around. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Today we're going to talk all about why negotiation should not be part of your parenting strategy. When you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, parenting a highly sensitive child is exhausting. You have a kiddo who is hitting kicking, screaming, and you find yourself walking on eggshells on a daily basis, or it is incredibly difficult to just get a word in or a word out of your your highly sensitive child or teen, especially if they are shut down and and you have no idea what's going on in their mind, Uh, you can resort to um, to, to some um, pretty ineffective tactics like negotiating, right? Um, so let's talk about this today because one thing that we hear often from parents is that my child will either be president of the world or president of a prison gang, and uh, and I don't know how to lead them into the 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 the, the, the latter, right? The former, um, and I don't know how to lead them. And I don't know how to lead them into the former. And obviously, when we know that parent that sensitive children are uh, full of beautiful ideas and fantastic plans, and at their best, they can be passionate towards a goal, and they can be organized in their detail orientation. Uh, highly sensitive kids, teens, adults can make fantastic leaders. And with that being said. The, the the key component of managing and, and leading others and influencing others is that you have the skills to manage your own emotions because if you are uh, volatile, hostile, struggling, aggressive with your language in adulthood, right, um, or anxious to the point where you are more of a follower than a leader or anxious even, even you know, worse off to the point where you're micromanaging people, no one's going to follow you effectively. You won't be able to reach your own agendas, right? And so when we think about that, we see adults who struggle with these, these issues while they may be gifted in their grand ideas, uh, we can notice that highly sensitive kids end up with those challenges, even if they, they demonstrate that negotiation skill at a young age. And so for you as a parent, you can try to look at it from a strength-based perspective and say, you know what? This is actually a really effective skill. But the flip side of that, and then what we hear from parents all the time is, but geez, it's freaking exhausting to just get my kid to do a thing. Like I can't even, I can't even get out the door without negotiating uh, how and when and what 
uh, my child will, will have any privileges to, to do later in the day. And I just want my child to follow through with a general routine. And, and so for, for you, if you've been uh, working at trying to uh, playfully or peacefully or gently parent your sensitive kid for a while, or maybe you haven't, maybe traditional parenting has been your automatic go-to for quite some time, you can uh, notice how ineffective it, it has been to resort to bribery or threats, right? Uh, with that being said, if you've if you've been working on shifting out of that ineffective language of um, you know you if you don't do this then you're gonna you're gonna lose privileges right um, the, obviously that's that's the the threatening language we're talking about breaking out of uh, the bribery language is uh, when you when you do um, this chore you'll get time on on your iPad like you asked or um, you know, noticing using sticker charts or any other behavior plan, prizes, etc., might be something that that you have uh, tried to use because traditional parenting strategies are all over the internet. They are touted by professionals all over the place, pediatricians, other parents, uh, therapists, etc. And with that being said, in helping parents break out of this meltdown cycle for uh, hundreds of families around the world, we know for sure uh, that, that sticker charts, behavior charts do not work. Traditional parenting strategies like threats and bribery do not work because they are focused on control. Now, when you're in hostage negotiations uh, experience, what's going on with a hostage taker, right? They have control. Uh, let's look at this from, a, from the real life experience. You might have uh, never experienced, uh, and I hope not, um, uh, being a victim of, of a hostage situation, but we, we might have all seen uh, something like this in, in, in media, in the movies, or, or uh, read a book like this, right? So typically the hostage taker has a weapon, right? And, um, and that weapon is, is creating fear in the, um, in, in the hostages, but also in the, the person trying to rescue the hostages. And so when we think about this dynamic and how this plays out in your home, when you are trying to approach this with your sensitive kid and you're trying to help them follow through on, um, on, on any activity, and you're using contingencies in place to get them to stay motivated, this actually perpetuates your use of control. Now, of course, you're not putting a gun to your kid's head. Um, obviously, that would be a whole different ballgame, and we'd be having a completely different conversation. We wouldn't be having this conversation on the internet, I can tell you that. But uh, if we were to work together, it'd be in my private practice, and, and that would be a pretty serious issue, right? Um, all kinds of professionals would be in, involved. But with that being said, you really need to to make sure that we're looking at the the um, the standpoint of of noticing what requires somebody to to uh, take such a stance of, of being a hostage taker is that they have a plan or they have means to create a plan, right? So an adult engaging in a hostage situation, they had means by access to that to a weapon, right? And this is this brings me to um, I'm getting somewhere with my metaphor here, guys. Um, this means which is related to myth number one and uh, the belief in in a lot of parenting strategies will uh, imply or 
directly state that your child is manipulative. And this is myth we are busting number one. Uh, when you parent your child with the assumption that they have the power over you to change your behavior and to change uh, your actions, then you are believing in the myth that your child is manipulative. And, and this is a core component of many parenting strategies out there uh, because they're all using if-then language or if-when language. And this is really important for you to understand that if your child is using language with you, uh, you know, mom, if um, I'll do, the, I'll brush my teeth if you let me have five more minutes, or I'll I'll come, I'll do my chores if you let me go outside and play later. Um, you can interpret that language with your child as uh, uh, you know as manipulative or as 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 negotiation or um, as as someone who's seeking your child who's seeking to control the situation. Wait a minute, you know the the inter the interaction you have in your mind or with your kid in that moment is wait a minute, who's in charge here? That's not how this works. The chores are expected to be done. That's a general expectation of the family. Um, it has nothing to do with what privileges you have. I expect you to do them and then we'll talk about what privileges you're going to get, right? That dynamic might be something that you're having inside your, your own mind or it might be the actual conversation you're having with your kid. And yet, if you're following a traditional parenting strategy or just a general um, you know, lovingly logic-based focused um, emotion, uh, emotion regulation focused parenting strategy, it's incredibly important that you notice that that those programs are going to teach you if-then language, and um, <laughs> and so if you're using the same language, if you choose to do this, then you choose to um, to lose different uh, different privileges. Then uh, then you need to understand your child is learning that very negotiation that drives you nuts from you. Uh, if you choose, sorry, I'm, if you keep hitting your brother, then you lose your iPad, then what you're learning is, what your child is learning is, is that very negotiation terminology from you. Wait a minute. Oh no. <laughs> right? So then we get to, to understand if my child is not manipulative, but in fact, I've actually been teaching them this quote unquote negotiation language. Now what? Right? We need to look at the at myth number two. And, and this is important because what where where we get stuck in parenting sensitive kids is the fact that highly sensitive kids, very smart, typically typically gifted in some area as well. Uh, with that being said, those big emotions can lead to um, some pretty rigid thinking in their clever thinking, right? So if your child is really stuck on wanting something or or needing um, an, an, an object or, or needing to get something done right now or worried about something, uh, that that clever component can be can be pretty perseverative. They can have this thought and want to talk about it over and over and over again, and this can uh, lead to a position with you as a parent feeling trapped. And so, uh, what can be important for you to notice is is that in that situation, your child is not actually having a logical conversation, even if they're extremely clever in that moment by coming up with all kinds of, of reasons why they're supposed to have the thing that they've been asking you for. Because when, when you think about um, the emotional experience of someone who is super driven towards their outcome, they're experiencing this from a passion standpoint, but they're also experiencing this from an emotional standpoint that can be driven by frustration or anger or aggravation, etc. 
And that level of passion without a skill to regulate and hear logic uh, is, is actually what leads to the meltdown because there's no regulation in that passion. And uh, as we know in parenting highly sensitive kids and highly sensitive teens, that highly sensitive people without skills to regulate their emotions can swing from positive emotions and over excitability and over intensity in those positive emotions all the way to um, to, you know, to the world is ending and, and life is awful and I might as well not even be here and the negative emotions or anger, you know, you're the worst, I hate you and, and I'll never, um, I'll never love you and, and all of those statements in addition to any other extreme behaviors that we see, hitting, kicking, throwing things, running away, hiding, shutting down. And so while you may be highlighting, right, especially if you're stuck in survival mode, as many parents stuck in the meltdown cycle are, maybe highlighting that negative experience as totally separate from the positive joy and, and overexcitability that your child can experience. But both of them are symptoms of the meltdown cycle. Your child is extremely passionate, but without the ability to manage disappointment about their passions, they will quit early or they will um, stay so focused on, on something like a, like a, um, uh, the, you know, the, the, the phrase like a dog with a bone, like you just can't get them to, to loosen it. Right. And the experience in that moment is, dude, I know you want to go, um, next week to the skate park, but right now it's dinner time. What do you want for dinner? Sit at the table, right? We can't talk about the logistics of going to the skate park on Saturday when it's Tuesday. And I don't know if, if, if you know, I can get you a ride or, or I, have to, uh, I have to plan for your friends and all of this, right? So your kid might want an answer on a plan that's coming soon. And, and this level of intensity uh, can lead you into wanting to have a conversation with your child on, on trying to get them to to move on from this topic or or to accept the fact that you've said no. Maybe you maybe you did say no because the logistics aren't going to work out for your family on that you know particular day going to the skate park. Whatever it is, right? Doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that your child is not able to accept the answer that you've given them. And that is an inflamed, intense, passionate response. And that inflamed, intense, passionate response can lead you to walk on eggshells. And in some circumstances, for many parents, uh, can lead you to say, you know what, whatever, fine, we'll go, right? And so now you're in the situation where you are responding as if you are trapped, that your kid is, you know, holding this metaphorical gun to your head. And at that point, you become the hostage victim. And so it's incredibly important that we address myth two, which is that your child is not uh, logical when they're refusing to do a thing or when they're harping on a topic. As clever as they may be, they are not emotionally integrated in their brain. And that is incredibly important for you to observe because when you are, you know, totally bought into the idea that your child is not manipulating you, you also need to make sure that you're not engaging in logical conversations at that time, even when your child is, um, is stuck and, and having those logical conversations. But we know that this is incredibly hard to do because there is a strength in fostering passion, right? We, we want children to find what they're passionate about. We want children to, to um, continue to demonstrate that, they, that their interests are, are of value to us. We want children to feel capable of collaborating with us. And this brings us to myth number three. Negotiation is not 
collaboration. And uh, this is really important because when we think about noticing for, for you and for your family, uh, there needs to be a time and a place when you are collaborating with your children. There is compromise involved in safe and effective, emotionally healthy homes. And if your child is feeling this intense emotion on the brink of a meltdown, that experience that you're having right then and there is, is, is a clear sign that the meltdown cycle is in the way of your child learning effective skills and learning from you the lesson of compromise. So you might think that if you say, like, let's go to my skateboard, skate park example, you know, kiddo is, is wanting to go to the, to the skate park and super excited and it requires you to do some, um, some, some real Tetris with your schedule on this coming Saturday with, you know, the, your other child going to soccer practice and arranging for a friend who would need a ride to the skate park. And then, um, you know, maybe the, you know, your, your spouse or co-parent, if you're in a two-parent home, is, is um, you know, coaching the third kid, right? And so there's all kinds of stuff going on on Saturday. And so it would be easier for you in that moment to say, look, let's do it the next Saturday when it's less chaotic, when there's no soccer court tournament, or when, you know, um, you know, Joey has a bye week in his, in his, um, in his sports team um, schedule, right? And with that being said, if your sensitive kid is feeling so, so focused on, on having this fun experience and has, has been so excited, it can be really difficult for your sensitive kid to accept the word no. And this is true, like I mentioned before, it can be true when, um, when you're trying to help your child get out the door in the morning. It can be true, true in, in this example when you're trying to, to move on at the dinner table and have a conversation and plan dinner, uh, as well as uh, in any other time of transition that, that, uh, that this conversation could be happening or not, right? It could be happening at a benign time, but you just don't have all the answers to give your kid or the answer your kid wants isn't what you really want to give them. And where where we can get stuck as parents in this dynamic, especially in, in parenting sensitive kids, is in thinking that when your child is at that high level of impassioned intensity, that they can actually follow you as you model changing your mind or follow you as your model shifting out of, of any sort of rigidity you might have. Because if the goal is that your child learns through a conversation uh, that they are, that they are, that, that you, you are a logical person, but you can also um, communicate with them that, that you can be collaborative and, and you can make compromises, right? That this is a family relationship, not a dictatorship. Uh, then, then you might think, okay, now is the time for me to actually negotiate with my kid and my kid will learn something from this. I don't really want to take them to the skate park and deal with driving all, all over the county. Um, but, you know, they, they make a good point right? Uh, what happens, however, is this might be a time when it's related to, to, to skate park, and so it's a benign, a positive thing, right? Not necessarily benign. It's a, it's a passion of your child's, um, but, but it's a Saturday, so you can, like, figure it out, right? But the skill set that you're expecting your child to learn in that moment is actually not going to be available to them when they are frustrated, angry, throwing things, shut down, and, um, and emotionally overwhelmed. And this is really important because when we think about being able to teach kids different skills, highly sensitive kids significantly struggle with a concept we call generalization. This means learning a skill 
and then being able to apply it in multiple situations. And so this is why parents of highly sensitive kids will say to us all the time, uh, you know, my kid is fine in school. My kid is fine in um, in the community at, at, at practice, uh, but my kid is struggling so much. It's so chaotic at home. Why? I don't get it. Or you could take that same experience and you could say, you know what, it's really not that bad because they're fine at school and they're fine at soccer and um, it's just home that, that we need to address, right? But guess what? If your kid is having daily meltdowns, multiple times a day meltdowns, or meltdowns on a, on a, on a weekly basis, then none of that is fine and none of that is a surprise. It is a symptom of the, the meltdown cycle. Your child might have some skills in those dynamics, they also might not. They might be stuffing their emotions, stuffing their only skill of advocacy, which is raising the roof until they get what they want, because they realize it wouldn't be appropriate in those, uh, in those circumstances, or they're fearful of getting yelled at uh, in those circumstances or being ostracized socially in those circumstances. And with that being said, that builds resentment for you and, and, and dread in your dynamic because if you know that you can be you know, participating in these negotiation uh, conversations with your kid, hoping and fingers crossing that your child is actually learning something from this dynamic, it's highly likely that you've also considered that your child is learning uh, that, that, that you don't hold safe and, and clear and consistent boundaries. And this is where we get stuck right? Because your child needs to learn to advocate in all avenues of their life. And they need to learn how to do that safely, accept no for an answer, and tolerate that no enough to think about a creative solution that you're not the one coming up with. <laughs> and this is really important because as a parent, when you're engaging in that tit for tat conversation, what you're doing is you're teaching your child this, this, this quid pro quo, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that is not unconditional love. That is conditional love. If you perform in a certain way, or if you do certain things for me, then I'll do certain things for you. And that bribery dynamic uh, actually damages your relationship with your child. They stop trusting you as a leader in your home. And with that being said, it's also important to understand the whole component of collaboration requires to the fact that you see somebody else who has a different need as your equal, right? Compromise requires an, a, a, um, a, percent, uh, a perspective of equality. Now, when we think about the understanding of parent and child, I'm not talking about staying your kid's friend, right? Because that has a whole different ball of, of wax of problems um, in, in, in managing your, your child. You become enabling, uh, your child stops uh, believing that the limits you set are valid and necessary. They stop believing the importance of the limits that you set because you're just trying to keep your kid happy, right? That people-pleasing dynamic has no, um, no, uh, no bearings in the parent-child relationship. And it's also true that, like I said before, we're not here to raise our kids to quote-unquote respect authority and follow a line and put up and shut up because that leads to people-pleasing uh, as well. Uh, because children don't learn how to advocate for themselves and ch highly sensitive kids who don't learn how to advocate them for themselves put themselves in pretty uh, sticky situations because they tolerate the, um, in, in, the intuitive response of, hey, danger, danger, this is like hairs on the back of my neck. They tolerate that and don't act on it. And so those sticky situations that can be avoided, like 
um, being being mistreated, being treated like a doormat, um, being taken advantage of in peer relationships can actually spiral into being taken advantage of in intimate relationships or, you know, worse, uh, engaging in behaviors where they're not um, fully present, right? So substance abuse, drug abuse to the point where uh, they can be taken advantage of by by predators, um, both in their peer relationships or, or older people when, when they're exposing themselves to ways to numb their emotions, which you know, we know substances and, and, and drugs uh, do that. So alcohol and drugs do that. And so as we're looking to support your child in experiencing their emotions, but also feeling regulated in that passion, it's important to notice that your child also needs to be doing the same thing when they're frustrated and angry, right? That, I mean, that part is probably pretty, um, pretty, pretty easy to pick up. But when we're looking at being able to notice uh, for your sensitive child that if the only skill that they think they have is to raise the roof and 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 just go hard at at at, at you know at this uh, and drive home their their point, um, it's it's going to be pretty apparent to your child that that skill, quote unquote, I'm using I'm using air quotes here because it's not really a skill um, because it it doesn't consider the equality. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, is actually not appropriate, not, not going to be effective. They'll be shut down by other uh, adults in positions of authority like teachers or, or coaches or, um, you know, scout leaders, etc. And, um, and so the, the important component of negotiation that is effective is noticing uh, that, that the relationship has equality in it. And so what I mean by that in a parent-child relationship is not that your child has complete freedom just like you do in an adult relationship. And it's also true that if you're in a relationship, you don't have complete freedom to be who you want to be because sometimes you want to be a jerk <laughs> and that's not respectful of the relationship, right? So, so let's notice that, um, that, that even in adult to adult relationships, you need to regulate your emotions, you need to regulate your behavior. And same thing goes on with parent-child relationships. You guys can notice that you have equal needs. Your needs are, um, are emotionally sound, emotionally valid, and, and, um, and, 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 and need to be honored. And logistically speaking, they, might, they don't need to be honored at the same time. Um, and, and that's important. And so that's the piece that's, be, that's missing here, this top-down belief that if you do this, then I'll do this for you, uh, puts your kid at a dis, uh, disadvantage and... and um, sends the message to your child that they don't matter unless they're performing, unless they're doing something that, um, that you want them to, which again uh, creates that, that um, driven only for success mindset, which can put uh, a Machiavellian beliefs in your child. The ends will justify the means, right? And, and, and people who are only driven towards, um, towards material needs or towards material achievements. And, and that obviously impacts uh, the relationship that they have with all kinds of people in, in schooling as well as after schooling. And, and then the other side of this, which is uh, for you, in parenting your sensitive child is in noticing that your kids' interests are valid, right? Their, their, their needs and concerns are valid. The way that they're expressing it and how intense they're feeling in that moment needs to be regulated. And that's the skill set that your kid is missing. And you're not going to teach that by telling them that they can compromise with you in certain situations when, uh, when that, those logistics are actually wildly inconvenient for you. Uh, because the creative thinking outside of the box is you know, may include delaying the plan for another seven days, like I said, 
uh, to the next Saturday. And, and then your child could work out the logistics with their friends and whether or not that would actually happen. And so this is important. I'm not just talking about being able to manage logistics and disappointments in parenting multiple kids. I'm talking about being able to tolerate the fact that your child has a big interest, a big need for them in that moment, and they can't tolerate the fact that they can't have it in that moment. And this is really important when you look at it from a behavioral standpoint. It's cr incredibly important that you don't think that your kid is responding in a way that, that um, where they're spoiled, uh, with, where they, you know, they can't always get what they want, right? That's not the problem that your kid is having. Your kid is having a, a problem as a symptom of the meltdown cycle, which is that their emotions are just in, in, um, in uncontainable. I don't know if that's the right word. Uncontrollable too is definitely a word. <laughs> I think I make up words sometimes. That's fine. Hopefully you get what I'm getting at. It's so difficult for your child to regulate that big emotion and their own emotional experience in their bodies and their hearts and their minds uh, that they cannot move on from the topic and that is incredibly important to understand. Your child does not have the mental gears to manipulate other people. It's, they're literally not there. Okay, It requires the frontal lobe to be fully developed, which isn't developed until they're 25. It's the front part of the brain that talks about cause and effect. Right. In order to manipulate somebody, you need to be able to notice how, how your actions will lead to other future actions which will lead to other future actions which will then lead to other future actions and then eventually get your outcome and all of that requires brain power that adults have uh, and uh, children don't children don't have that power to notice how those leaps can and, and and bounds can be made in an in a way that allows them to organize their thinking process and calculatingly um, influence people in order to get their result your child might have a pattern that you have perpetuated in your parenting strategies and you can misinterpret that as manipulation, okay? Uh, but this is really important that we notice uh, that, that you're not vilifying your kid and you're also not creating a situation where your kid is actually older than they are uh, because that obviously puts, it, puts your kid in a position to be not only misunderstood but just completely uninfluenceable by you, okay? so. What breaks the pattern, okay? You need to be able to shift your mindset. We spent a ton of time talking about these myths that you're believing when you're negotiating with your kid. Um, and, and so those are things that hopefully we've, we've uh, addressed and, and gotten your brains, uh, your gears turning uh, and motivated towards breaking out of those patterns. The second thing that you need to be able to do is to playfully support your child in breaking out of those patterns. And I'm not talking about cracking jokes, right? Um, you know, just telling your kid they can skate to the skate park if they want with a, with a, with a sly smile and a, and a chuckle is probably going to, uh, uh, to create World War III in your house that day, right? Um, so we don't want any of that. And, and then the next component would be um, noticing that, uh, that the playful engagement needs to be how your child learns, right? So uh, having a conversation, having a logical conversation is actually not going to teach your kid. People need to learn something through conversation 400 times that needs to be repeated in order for them to digest that material. Uh, with that being said, you can play it out 20 times, get the same result. Guess what though? If your kid is practicing something with you and your child is highly sensitive and they struggle with generalization and you're talking things out, notice that highly sensitive people struggle with generalization. And so without the skill to playfully engage your kid in an effective way, you're actually gonna get lose track because every single experience you need to talk about 400 times has to be talked about 400 times. And you're gonna lose your energy by, before that, right? You're gonna lose your, your, um, your stamina, you're gonna lose track 
of all of the things that you need to prioritize. And this brings me to my next point. You need to have a strategy on what behaviors you need to, to prioritize, oh, how, to, how to enthusiastically um, uh, flourish with your child their passion and their curiosity and their excitability about so friendship, relationships, etc., without um, totally toppling over um, their inability to manage disappointment, frustration, aggravation, and tolerate things that they can't have in the moment. And, uh, and that's really important to notice that that, that needs, to be, um, needs to be highlighted alongside and in, in an effective way um, in managing their, their unsafe behavior. So whether that be yelling and cursing and screaming or uh, worse, hitting, kicking, uh, throwing things, etc., we're just completely closing off. I won't do what you asked me to do until you say yes to this thing and, and just totally shutting down disc, the, the connection in the home. And so all of this is necessary for you to address. And obviously you need to be able to do that in a certain order so that you can do that uh, well and effectively, right? And this is where the, the next piece is. You need to be able to, um, to break, it, break it down in an in a, um, anti-shame way, right? Uh, because if your child is already struggling with accepting the, not getting the way that things that the way that they want, we, we also don't want them feeling bad about um, the interests that they have, right? And that they'll never get them. Okay, so uh, the important piece of of that process is is supporting your child in being able to creatively think outside the box. And quite frankly, uh, the best way to do that is to work with a professional. You need to be able to to uh, observe who can support you in, in breaking out of this pattern. And, and here at MTC, we've helped hundreds of families break out of this pattern, stop the negotiation train, no longer feel like they're walking on eggshells in their house and, and no longer feel like they are, um, they're, they're playing dodgeball with a bunch of wrenches in, in, their, in their experience as well. Um, just in terms of being able to support their kids and meeting their needs without, uh, you know, bending over backwards. And, and that's really important because we want you to feel love and collaboration and have conversations with your kids when they're in their logical minds. And that is important to understand that highly sensitive kids are most often in their emotional minds. And that is something that since that children and highly sensitive children alike have, uh, have more access to. And so for you as a parent, it can feel uh, like a completely different foreign language. And that's fine because we speak HSC and we'll help you to do the same okay how do you do that okay how, how, do, how do I know what we do will work for you I don't I don't know we have to have a conversation about it I don't know your family circumstances I don't know your family's history I don't know your goals and I don't know uh, where you're stuck so how could I tell you what we do is going to actually work for you right um, what I know is that uh, with parents with a problem that we've solved before, this is the things that they need to be focusing on. And, and so you break out of that pattern in an effective way with the right strategy. And if what we do is the right strategy, uh, that would be shared on, on the initial phone call. And uh, what you'll do on that conversation, like I said, cover where you're stuck, what, what your goals are, whether or not what we do is gonna help you break out of that pattern. And if that's the case, we'll tell you exactly how and how to get started right away. And then if that's not the case, Okay, then we will point you in the right direction because it's incredibly important to, to us and to you, obviously, uh, that, that you're working with a professional who knows what they're doing with your particular need and who enjoys that work and uh, that it's their specialty. And so while uh, our, our, our team here has a wealth of experience, uh, we have a, a narrow focus and a narrow specialty and we are happy to do that and happy to keep it that way. Uh, because it's what makes us so successful. And so in doing that, um, 
make sure that when you book that conversation, you're ready. You're ready to, uh, to break out of this pattern and you're ready to know exactly what steps you need to take immediately to break out of this pattern. And we're happy to support you. And we look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.